Hey, of all the things you got going on in your day, the fact that you would stop and include us in your day really means a lot. Welcome to The Quest. It's always great to have you with us, especially if you happen to be checking us out. All right, so before we get into the talk today, we're going to open up with a word of prayer as we always do. A really important time for us to connect with God. Really important time to prepare our hearts, to ask God to step in, not just to the chaos, but to step into the issues that we have allowed that protect us, that, that kind of distance us from maybe what God's wanting to do. This becomes an opportunity for us to surrender ourselves and put ourselves in God's hands. And we're going to be looking at that today. So before we start, let's just open up with a word of prayer. Father, we love you so much. I thank you so much for all of my friends that are listening. Father, I thank you for their lives and how each one of them are so significant in your kingdom that you have designed and created them for and with a unique purpose in mind. That, Father, you have a purpose for their lives. And whatever is going on in their lives, whatever the distractions are, Father, we just come into agreement together that we focus on you. We want to take our eyes off the distractions. We want to remove our attention from the fears of life and put our attention on you. And Father, you know what's going on in their lives. You know that some of them need strength and courage. Some of them need faith for the journey. Some of them need healing in their bodies. And whatever it is that they need, you are our source. So we turn to you and we ask for you to step in. We ask, Father, that you would do what we cannot. That you would do what you promised that you would do for us. So Father, you are our source of life. And Father, we just thank you for your love for us. May this talk, beyond my words, may your spirit speak into our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in a great series. A series that we've been in for a little while, but yet it's a great series because it's such an important series. It's titled, Kingdom Come. The kingdom of God was Jesus' primary message while he was here on earth, during his time of ministry. And I want you to think about that. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than he talked about faith, more than he talked about peace, more than he talked about love. He talked about the kingdom of God more than anything. And I believe that the reason he talked about the kingdom more than everything else is because everything else is a byproduct of his kingdom in our lives. See, the kingdom of God is what brings us faith. It's what brings us love. It's what brings us peace. What brings us joy. Because the kingdom of God is the rule of God in our lives. And when God rules our lives, it creates a kingdom mindset that we desperately need for the times that we live in. See, the kingdom mindset is different than the mindset of this world. It's day and night, light and darkness difference. In fact, the point you can write down on your notes is this. While the earth is preparing for war, heaven is preparing for a wedding. That is the difference between the mindset of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. While the world is creating chaos, heaven is getting ready for a celebration. While the world is deconstructing, heaven is constructing. You don't have to be overwhelmed or overcome with anxiety about what is to come. As citizens of the kingdom, we're excited about what is to come. Because the future is not defined by what's going on around us. The stuff that's going on in this world doesn't even concern us. 
We're looking for the party in heaven. We're looking for that wedding feast that we're going to be a part of as citizens of God's kingdom, the bride of Christ. See, our future is not here. Our future is heaven. And it's only when Jesus is the source of our life that we can experience his kingdom in our life. Jesus explained this very principle to a guy in the scriptures named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. And Jesus says it this way. Jesus replied, With all the earnestness I possess, I tell you this, unless you are born again, you can never get into the kingdom of God. I don't want you to miss that. Jesus is saying, unless I am your source of life, spiritual life, you have no part in the kingdom of God. Now, we'll call Nicodemus Nick, and you might have the same questions that Nick had when he was exposed to Jesus' statement that you had to be born again, but he goes on to explain it, and it goes on to say this, born again, explained Nicodemus, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, what I'm telling you so earnestly is this, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Men can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. In other words, physical birth is not enough. We need a spiritual birth. And spiritual birth happens when we recognize our need of God, when we put our faith in God, when we repent of our sin and we turn to God. And a great question that helps us identify whether or not we are, in fact, surrendering our lives to Christ is this. You can write it down. Are you moving towards a kingdom come mindset? As citizens of the kingdom of God, our lives are to be moving us closer and closer to a kingdom come mindset where we want our lives to be about the kingdom, where we want our purpose to be about the kingdom, where we are surrendered to the king of the kingdom. Just to keep this in front of us, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, part of that prayer includes these words where he says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we're choosing and asking for the rule of Christ in our life. We want to be a part of God's kingdom here on this earth. We're making ourselves available to him for him to use for his purpose. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching a crowd of people the attitudes of citizens of the kingdom. It's the temperament or the new nature of those who follow Christ. And it's important that we understand this. Jesus is identifying two differences. And the first one is this, the difference between this world and God's kingdom. First of all, the kingdom reflects the king. So the kingdom of this world is going to reflect Satan the king of this world, and his desires, his agenda. While the kingdom of God is identified by Jesus and his desires and his purpose and his agenda, these Beatitudes also identify this, the difference between a citizen of the kingdom of God and an unbeliever. There should be a different temperament, a different nature, a different character that is expressed in us and through us. Again, the nature of the citizens reflect the nature of the king or the temperament of the king. See, these beatitudes reflect the king and the citizens of the kingdom that we belong to. I feel like I need to remind us, but these beatitudes go against 
They rub against the grain of everything in our human nature. These are not values of the world that we live in. In fact, to this world, these values make no sense. In fact, some of these Beatitudes might even upset you. And if that's the truth, then you need to wrestle with these with God himself. You need to talk to him. You need to ask him to help you implement these into your life. We've pointed out in the last two weeks that each of these Beatitudes begins with this word blessed. And if we're going to look at what blessed means, it means this. It means the mindset that comes from God's rule in my life. It's a change in our way of thinking because Jesus rules our lives. We don't worry about circumstances because God is in charge and has a purpose for all that we go through. And we understand that God is with us and it changes how we think. When Jesus rules our life, he also provides for us a new nature. It's a new temperament from him. And it creates in us love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of those things impact our mindset and how we think about the things that we're going through. So we've looked at two of these attitudes of the kingdom. And the third one we're looking at today is this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, meekness is not something that we talk a lot about. It used to be a valued virtue. Not so much probably anymore. One definition of meekness is to be patient, humble, submissive. Another definition says this way, it's enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Different Bible translations use words like meek, gentle, humble, but that just tends to make it even more confusing. So what is meekness? Well, I think in order to understand meekness, I want to tell you a story. It's a story I've told before, but it's a really important story. It's a, it's a great story, even though while I lived it, it wasn't such a great story. But a long time ago, when I was 20 years old, I used to live in Memphis, Tennessee, and I lived with this family, kind of, and we, we helped them, a friend of mine, we helped them on their farm. In other words, we didn't live on the farm, but we would travel there and we would take care of it. We would spend our Saturdays cleaning up the farm, cutting back weeds, killing snakes because the only good snake is a dead snake. The people that owned the property owned a couple of horses that were out there at this barn. And so we would feed them and just make sure that they were cared for. But they also asked us if we would ride them so that they would continue to be used to people. So they had this one black horse and the horse's name was Blue. In horse terms, this thing was 17 hands high. Well, that means I'm six foot seven, and the shoulders of this horse were like up to my eyes. It was a huge animal. And so I'm riding blue leisurely in this pasture, and something, probably a stupid snake, spooks blue, and he rears up, and he takes off running. And I am holding on for dear life. This horse is running full speed across this pasture towards a road and I am pulling with everything I have on the reins. This horse was going so fast, he blows across the road. I don't even know if we touch the road. And while I'm pulling back, the reins snap. Now I'm holding on to this mane and that's the only grip that I have and I'm holding on for dear life. The power of this animal was so great. I'm thinking, this is how I'm gonna die. So with me on his back, Blue jumps this ditch, is running through these trees. The only thing that stopped him was we came upon 
a big gate that he knew he couldn't jump. And we didn't just stop, we kind of ran into it and Blue basically stopped himself. I had absolutely no control of this animal. That episode brought me very close to Jesus because I thought I was going to die. Now the reason for the story is this. The word that is used here for meek is a Greek term that is used for taming a wild stallion. When a horse submits to the rider's will, that is meekness. The horse that I was on was not meek at all. So with that understanding, let's just go through some other definitions of, of what meekness actually is, how it applies to us. And the first one is this. Meekness is strength brought under control. It, it's not control that is taken, but control that is surrendered. In other words, it's not that we've lost our strength, but we have learned to control the destructive instincts that prevent us from living for or with God and with others. But there's some other features that are attached to meekness. Another one is this. Meekness is not passive, but active. It's not about doing nothing. It's about this is the activity or the agenda of our lives about us or is it for God and for others? Also meekness is this. The meek don't make demands for personal position, privilege, possessions, and status in this life. The agenda of the meek is not to elevate themselves or to promote themselves or to seek a status that is above others. They understand that status is for service. Another definition is meekness is also the absence of retaliation. It's the practice of patience in our lives. It is long-suffering, especially when dealing with receiving injustice or being mistreated personally. Another one is meekness is the resistance to assert ourselves for ourselves. That's a tough one because we are kind of conditioned in this world to look out for number one. Meekness is not selfish or self-centered. We make our lives about God and others, not ourselves. I told you that these were going to be tough. This one probably is a really tough one in meekness. But listen, we don't create these in and of ourselves. God's Spirit in us creates this temperament within us. Also, another one is this. Meekness is not using our strength and resources against others, but for others. It's not weakness. It's having great strength that is, again, under control. Strength that benefits and builds others. Another one is this. The meek put themselves and their rights and their future in the hands of God. I really like that one. Meekness is this act of surrendering to God to wait on God. Though we have the ability to rebel against God, we have the ability to do things our own way. We choose to place our lives in God's hands. We choose to surrender ourselves to God. In other words, our posture is to trust God. There's a lot there, and I encourage you to go back and read those on your own and elaborate and allow yourself to really digest those. Allow yourself to look at how you apply those to your life. This attitude of the kingdom is completely and entirely opposed to our natural man and what our natural man wants in life. See, I think the problem with meekness or, or what causes us to want to rebel against this idea of meekness in our lives is that if we're meek, then we don't assert ourselves for ourselves. And then we won't get what we need and we'll be taken advantage of. 
See, the world thinks in terms of strength and empower, in terms of our ability and our assertiveness. In other words, the more you assert yourself, the more you express yourself, the more, the more you promote yourself, the more likely you are to succeed in life. These attitudes of citizens of the kingdom are not just difficult for us. They were difficult for the people of Jesus' day that were listening to Jesus teach on them. For them, it made no sense. See, their idea of God's kingdom was not only materialistic or about God's blessings in their life, but it was also militarily based as well. They were anticipating God's kingdom to overtake and overpower the Roman Empire that was in charge that day, that was taking advantage of the Jews. They were thinking in terms of power, strength, and, and conquering. And Jesus is saying that everything you thought about the kingdom is wrong. Remember, these attitudes that we as citizens of the kingdom should have reflect the king and his kingdom that we belong to. The scriptures give many examples about meekness. People like Moses and Abraham and David. And you remember that while David was still young, God selected him to be a king. And while David was still a shepherd, while he was being prepared by God in the wilderness, that the existing king found out that David had been promised to be the next coming king. And so Saul, this existing king, did everything that he could to seek to kill David. And one time while David was hiding, Saul comes into this cave where David is hiding. And Saul is in a position, let's just say, where David has the ability to take advantage. He has the ability and the opportunity to take advantage of Saul. But he chose not to use his resources or his strength to retaliate against Saul. He left it up to God to do that. That's meekness. Jeremiah in the Old Testament it was a prophet and he spoke on behalf of God to the people. And while other prophets were telling people what they wanted to hear, Jeremiah was communicating what God told him to say. And Jeremiah didn't retaliate against them when they spoke against him and they tried to kill him. While he felt their harsh words, he did not attack or retaliate against them. And Jesus himself, while he had the ability to defend himself and be rescued from the cross, to be rescued from the shame. He could have closed their mouths. He could have humiliated them, but he didn't. In fact, Philippians says it this way. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He didn't use his power for himself or to defend himself. And Jesus says this about himself. He said, learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. See, if we're going to learn from Jesus, then we have to watch how Jesus lived. Because what Jesus taught was supported in his lifestyle, how he lived. Jesus was never afraid to defend the truth of God or the will of God. And Jesus was not passive, so we know that meekness is not passive. You might remember that Jesus jumped down Peter's throat when Peter said that he would never allow Jesus to be crucified. Jesus uses the word to Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. And then he goes on to say, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus is saying, you're making this, Peter, about your personal desires and not God's desires. 
Another time, Jesus was in the temple and they were selling things and exchanging money. And Jesus got ticked and overturned the tables and started whipping. He was defending the will of God and the truth of God. So another point you can write down is this. The meek don't just give in without stating what is right. They speak the truth and leave the results in God's hands. Again, it's not weakness or passivity. It's not being a victim to things that are out of our control. It's surrendering our control for the sake of the truth. You remember the time when Jesus was arrested? One of his disciples, Peter, was trying to defend Jesus. And while he was being arrested, Peter pulls the sword and chops one of the arresting officers' ears off. And Jesus scolded him and he said this, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? See, Jesus didn't need to be defended. Power and ability were, were not his issues that he wrestled with. Jesus possessed them both. Something else you can write down is this. The result of demanding our rights is anger, while the results of surrendering our rights to God is meekness. Again, it's having the strength and the ability to carry out our agenda, but rather than doing that, we surrender to God's agenda and God's plans, God's desires, God's purpose. Why is this so important and how does this benefit us? Well, that attitude of the kingdom is this, blessed are the meek and why? For they will inherit the earth. So what does it mean to inherit the earth? You can write this down. How we respond to living in meekness shows which kingdom we are wanting to get ahead in. See, assertiveness, retaliation, that will get you ahead in this world. You will get the respect and advantages you desire from this world and the people of this world. Jesus is talking about the permanent earth, the permanent kingdom. That's what the meek will inherit. Paul reminds Timothy with this. He says, don't worry about suffering. If you are meek, you will reign with Christ. In other words, you will rule in the kingdom of God when God's kingdom comes to this earth. Meekness will get you ahead in the world that is to come. The permanent kingdom, our inheritance as citizens of the kingdom, is the new earth that is to come. And another feeling you can write down is this. Meekness makes us like the king of the kingdom. This is the goal. This is our objective, right? Strength under control makes us like the king. We have a calling, a mandate, if you will, to imitate Jesus, to live as he lived, to value what he valued. As Christ followers, we walk in his steps. Scripture says in 1 Peter, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. I want you to remember that your inheritance is tied to your king. We are to inherit all that the king has in his kingdom. Scripture says that we will rule and reign with Christ in his kingdom. Again, meekness is entrusting our lives and our circumstances, our agendas. We're constantly putting everything into the hands of God. 
though we have the ability to take control, we relinquish control to God. I'm telling you, the very first step in meekness is relinquishing our lives to God, surrendering our lives completely to God. In other words, our lives are not about us anymore. We surrender our wills. We surrender to the things that we want for the things that God wants for us. If you haven't done that, this is a great day to do it. This is a great opportunity to do it. I want to pray with you and I want to encourage you. If you don't have this relationship with Jesus, if you're not a part of the kingdom of heaven, if the rule of Christ is not applicable, is not a part of your life, that can be changed right now. All you have to do is repent of your sin. All you have to do is turn your life to God, to put your faith in Jesus, what he did on the cross, that he died for your sins and that he rose from the grave. In other words, he paid for the penalty of your sin on the cross and he destroyed the power of sin when he rose from the grave. And that all happens when you have that conversation with Jesus yourself. He's listening to you. He's listening to your heart. So talk to him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you. First and foremost, those that uh, want this relationship with you, those that have turned from their sins, that they acknowledge the sin in their life, they recognize and they feel the remorse of it, and they are physically turning from it. They're making a change in their lives. They're changing the direction of their lives by following you rather than following this world and following their own desires. Father, as they surrender themselves to you and as they give themselves to you, I ask that they put their faith in what Jesus did on the cross and that he rose again for them. I ask that you would give them new life. Father, that you would give them new purpose, that your spirit would fill them and give them strength that they need. Father, for all of us, I ask that you would help us, that you would form and shape this temperament in our lives of the kingdom, that we would be meek so that we could inherit the permanent kingdom that is to come, that we would inherit your kingdom in our lives in the future when you bring it and we rule and reign with you. Father, this all happens because we surrender ourselves to you and we place ourselves in your hands. And so today we're reminded that this life is not about us. We're reminded that the agenda that we have is not important. Your agenda is important. And so we place ourselves in your hands to be used by you and for your purposes. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we all desperately need meekness in our lives because we, in and of ourselves, our human nature is pride. We want to take control. We want to assert ourselves. Our human nature does everything it can to protect ourselves. And yet, meekness puts ourselves in a place where we surrender ourselves and we trust God fully. I want to encourage you to start practicing that. Start going over these things about what we talked about in this talk and what it means in your life and how God wants you to prioritize these things and apply these things to your life. Listen, thank you guys so much for being with us today. And again, for making us a part of your day, for all the challenges that you're facing. My prayer is that you have a kingdom mindset, that the rule of Christ is producing in you peace and joy and faith and love and patience and all the things that you need for the chaos that we live in. God's very best to you. Bye-bye.